Welcome, Welcome to, to Hearts, Hearts and Other Sex Parts, a podcast about redefining yourself and your relationships. This is a safer space for the LGBTQ community, people of color, all genders and gender nonconforming individuals, differently abled people in all relationship types. These discussions will be strictly body and sex positive. We're your queer hosts. I'm Keely C. Helmick, licensed professional counselor. And I'm Jay, your resident queer mo and sex ambassador. We'd like to state that our pronouns are she, her, and for every guest we have on the show, they will introduce their pronouns as well, should they choose to. And at the end of every podcast, we will close with a poem that goes with the theme of the show. Today, we are sitting with Madison Young, along with her director, Sophia LaPaglia, and assistant director, Sarah Hertzberg. Madison is an award-winning performance artist, activist, educator, erotic filmmaker, and feminist pornographer. She is the sole proprietor of an erotic film production company, Madison Young Productions, and was founder and artistic director for the nonprofit arts organization Femina Potens, which focused on the intersections of sexuality and identity. And she's a mom of two baby feminists. In short, (laughs) she is a sex expert, and we are freaking stoked to be meeting with her. Yeah. I am super excited. Madison... Your one-woman show, Reveal All, Fear Nothing, A Journey in Sex, Love, Porn, and Feminism, is opening here in Portland this week, August 31st through September 10th. So thank you all for joining us between your rehearsals. Thank you you so much for having us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So for our listeners who haven't heard of you yet, can you tell them a bit about your background and what led you into this career? Sure. Um, So uh, I grew up in southern Ohio and uh, it was a a rather sex negative environment despite Mm -hmm. the fact that it was Loveland, Ohio Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like it was lacking in a lot of uh, I was lacking in sex education or any sex positivity um, or any space to explore my identity as someone who as a teenager knew that I had a queer identity without even having the words to know who I was, just knowing that I was different and no one around me, not relating to any of the people around me. I I knew that I wanted to create art in the world that helped to hold space for others to talk about their own identity um, and uh, to not feel alone in the world. Yeah. So um, that's, that's, that's ultimately yeah. what led me to, to San Francisco and to okay. opening an art gallery called Femina Potens, um, which promoted women and transgendered artists. We had spoken word, we had film screenings, oh, we that. had visual art, performance art, um, and I needed a way to fund the art gallery. Mm-hmm. So um, in San Francisco, sex work was largely um, uh, was funding more arts than the National Endowment for the Arts. Um, it was uh, what a lot of feminists were doing that were artists uh, by day and mm-hmm. would um, be sex workers by night in order to, to fund their art career. So that's uh, what I found myself doing. And as I was doing this sex work, because I simply can't just go in and make money, mm-hmm. I, w- I, am, uh, <laughs> I, I would do these films 
And I was like, I want to have more control over the narrative. I want to write the scripts myself. I, I, see, I saw what a potent um, uh, medium uh, feminist or porn in general could be. Mm-hmm. What an influence it has over the way that we view our bodies and our sexuality. Um, how creating feminist porn could hold space and... Um, for folks to actually discover new things about their sexuality um, and and model, be a graphic model for authentic communication about sex uh, and negotiation and safer sex. Mm -hmm. All of these things could be incorporated into erotic film. Um, So I took it on as uh, another medium um, and then uh, it became a very, very large part of of my life cool yes wow that's so inspiring I mean that's that's part of why like what you've done so fits what we wanted because when we started doing this podcast we really wanted to have a space as you know as a therapist I want to create a space for people to be able to talk about whatever is going on and people through the podcast, we hope that people are able to hear about other people's experiences. And so for those who aren't even at a place where they can talk outside their rooms other than to their journals, In that Ohio. they hear these other <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that they hear these other experiences and they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And wow, other people do that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I often tell people that like when I think about my audience and when I think about the people, the person that's reading my book and the person that's sitting in that that chair or that's mm-hmm. seeing this film, like I think about the girl left back in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I, I think about her struggling to find um, any piece of herself ar- around her. Um, and that definitely is what keeps me going. Yeah. Mm. So speaking of your memoir, um, I did read your memoir, Daddy, and which you published in 2014. And I'm also a big fan of Margaret Cho, and I saw that she wrote something, um, a review about you and the book. And I just wanted to share it and get some of your feedback around this wonderful quote. She said, she's dedicated to changing the game for women, queers, kinksters, and now moms with her individualism innovation, insight, and innate intelligence. She is downright inspirational, the real deal, the whole package. She is devoted to the truth, and that, after motherhood, is truly the noblest profession. What do you think she was getting at with that compliment? I, I think Margaret crushing? has a big crush on me. Um, and and the, the crush is mutual, so... Uh, yeah, I I love I love Margaret. Um, she messaged me once saying that she was a fan of mine. I messaged her back saying I was a fan of hers. I was like, you should come to my art gallery. I'd love to have you perform. Um, and so we met um, at my art gallery, and she did a, a burlesque performance at my art gallery. Oh, uh, so yeah. jealous. <laughs> uh-huh. And then afterwards, I was like, hey, I'm looking for a date for the AVN Awards. Like, would are you busy? Would you like to be my date? And she was my red carpet date for the AVN Awards. Cute. And um, yeah, we. Um, she's an awesome, wonderful person, and... Um, I love her. She's great. So, um, yeah, it's really nice to find other artists that inspire you and then find out that 
you inspire them as well. And isn't that almost a feeling like that's when you make it, whatever make it means? Like, oh, wow, these people that, like, there's this mutuality and this reciprocity. Definitely. When I, I saw that uh, Yoko Ono started following me on Twitter, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I can die now. Like, <laughs> Yoko Ono is following me on Twitter. <laughs> life goals yeah, met. Life. met. That was a, a big one. Yeah. <laughs> So then, fast forward a couple years later, 2016, you published your third book called DIY Porn Handbook, Documenting Our Own Sexual Revolution. Uh, so you are a self-proclaimed feminist performer. Uh, what is your definition of, of feminist porn? Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's um, so documenting our sexual, not just my sexual revolution. Mm -hmm. Our. Um, and uh, so feminist porn is all about choice. It's all about, all about choice. So, and about the individual, really. So, um, in feminist porn, um, we start with a, a conversation with the individual, and we speak with them about um, who do you want to have sex with? You know, like, who would you like to have sex with? If you could have sex with anyone in the world, who would that be? What really turns you on? Like, what, what is a fantasy maybe that you've had that you've always wanted to live out? Um, what are your turn-ons? What are the things that really are not exciting to you? Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people like messy sex. Like, I love to have food sex, like mm -hmm. smearing cupcakes <laughs> all over me and, like, like getting really... I like messy sex. Mm -hmm. um, but there are people that don't and, yeah. you know um so it's important to know like as you're talking to people like okay if we're gonna be shooting in a bakery maybe this person is not the right person so for a bakery scene giving a or, shit about the people that are gonna be in it absolutely even more wants. than giving a shit like absolutely honoring them yeah like afterwards i want for my performers to feel like who they are is a sexual being has been celebrated mm -hmm. um and to hold space for that so yeah that's that's a key element like what's their favorite lube what what kind of food do they eat do they have allergies are they gluten-free like um what things make them feel celebrated and sexy i had a performer that was like I feel celebrated and sexy when I have roses and dark chocolate. I brought her roses and dark chocolate, you know, like I, I feel like it's about really listening to your mm -hmm. performers, making them feel absolutely comfortable so that the crew basically slips away and is simply there holding space as a support mm -hmm. for them to connect either with and themselves or with um, the other performers that they're choosing to it's like have genuinely a scene with. connecting to Absolutely. come together for this performance piece yeah. versus just come operating together. in job. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? And, and you know what? Sometimes no pun intended, and, but and people don't have to come intended. either because like I've. I've also worked with performers that are like, I don't always orgasm. Because that's real life. Is that life. okay? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, please don't fake an orgasm. Like, enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, do the things that feel good to your body, but don't feel like you have to express anything that doesn't feel natural or pretend to have an orgasm in any way. 
Well, it sounds like just treating people, these women, as individuals versus these objects, which is such a big part of feminist therapy, feminist therapy, which is so much a part of feminist theory when you look at that. And so, wow, these people have individual needs and wants and everything you just explained so wonderfully. Yeah. And those individual needs could be like really kinky things like... I want to experience a gangbang in which all of my orifices are filled and I want to like have this safe space to play out a kidnap scene and have someone beat the shit out of me with two by fours. I mean, it could be like a really intense scene and there would be a lot of negotiation around all of those elements, huge communication, you know, but those things, I mean, I've had scenes that we've, had months of communication in putting together Mm -hmm. and the result is so rich and lovely and um to also document them negotiating and talking about what this fantasy is that they want to live out and then see it come to be then it makes it it's like oh my god do you remember that time when they she was talking about how she really wanted to be fisted for the first time and now <laughs> it's happening and look at her eyes like you can see you it, know uh, i feel like i'm welling up right now just thinking yeah. about it you know it's like mm. it's so beautiful to see those things like come to fruition i was going to say so how is this uh, kind of manifested in then your performances and your artwork that you do? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, but, uh, which thanks. <laughs> so I'm we sorry. Talk, no, the, femini- the, the feminist part of the porn that yes. you are, that you collaborate, you perform that, yes. that definition of the feminism. Yeah. So how does how does feminist porn play into my my work? Yeah, your own work in in your performance. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a feminist pornographer. So I've I've directed 44 erotic films. So this is this is my my practice. This is how mm-hmm. I work with models, and then also um, hold space for my own self to express my own sexual desires um, on film as well. Um, but uh, Feminism also plays a huge role in all of my work, whether it is uh, writing or performance art or this new show, Reveal All, Fear Nothing, um, which I'm so super excited about and um, and is definitely a very feminist yes. show. You collaborate with Annie Sprinkle. Yes. So, yes, uh, Reveal All, Fear Nothing is an adaptation of Annie Sprinkle's post-porn modernist, um, which was 27 years ago now mm-hmm. um, that she performed this show. That's cool. And um, I was out camping with with Annie and um, and my husband and my kid and Annie's wife, and we were out camping, and I was talking with her about how I uh, wanted to put together a one-woman show. And she was like, you have to do post-porn modernist. I've been waiting for someone to like do an adaptation of, of post-porn modernist. Like, I don't want to force it on you, but here, let me get out the script and I have the old music. And, yeah. um, and it, she was just, just like got super so into it. excited. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, how would that work? Like, that was totally her narrative. How will that work with, with me and me feeling like it's my piece, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it became um, 
so beautiful because like working with her and um, taking the structure of post-porn modernist, but telling these stories that were so um, intimate and my journey and my evolution and the different parts of, of my identity um, that exist, that coexist, mm-hmm. um, the child self, the, the whore, the mother self, you know, all of these parts of our psyche yeah. existing together. Well, cause Annie too. And the, for those, for listeners who don't know, Annie is a, she's an eco-sexual activist, uh, artist, sex worker, pro-sex educator herself, a critical figure in performance art. And I think you said you identify as your kinky fairy godmother. Um, yes, yes, I am her um, porno art daughter is usually how she refers to me, and I call her my fairy art mother. Um, she was yeah. at the birth of my first child, and she was uh, there um, while I was laboring with my second child. Um, so she's Grandma Sprinkle and, and Mama Sprinkle. Maple's placenta yeah, at Annie's house. My, my baby's placenta is in her garden. Um, okay, so yeah, you put awesome. it, you didn't eat it. You put it in the garden. No, put I put it in, it in the garden. garden. I'm vegan, so <laughs> that's right. Yes, yeah, um, <laughs> and, and, or at least vegan flexible, but not so flexible that I'd eat my placenta. <laughs> so can I ask? So your upcoming show reveal, "All Fear Nothing," you said is a modern adaptation of Annie Sprinkle's post-porn modernist show. What would you say is post-porn modernism? As like the concept behind that that is comes through in the show. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, I think that uh, feels like an Annie question. Yeah, I don't. Like, think that, I don't. I don't really want to answer that for because okay. it's it's yeah. um it's a term that Annie came up with. Okay. And I feel like it's postpone. I feel like so it's, Annie came up with it. Her, that's, yeah. 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 It's her well, title, and it's something that meant a lot to her. When, it, yeah, yeah, I think it kind of just meant that it it's it's her it's finding herself outside of porn. Yeah. So there was mm-hmm. a lot in and again the piece deals with so much identity and it was the right the childhood identity then moving into this this porn star identity and what it served for them as feminists and then moving out of that so post porn means just kind of looking back at your porn career and reflecting and discovering the nuances within it and just to piggyback on what Madison was saying Annie really describes the piece as a template and that's how she wanted it to be she always wanted someone else to do the show and she was so excited for Madison to do it because she said it's meant to be a template for other people in the industry and other sex workers to come forward and tell their stories and we continue to work towards that Madison and I and Annie all want to you know create a space a safe space for sex workers to share their stories because it's really important right now so did you, speaking of the show and the collaboration, did the two of you, um, assistant director and director, what part of the process did you come into? Did you help with this beginning, the collaboration, or how did the, how did everyone come in together? Uh, well, I wrote uh, my senior thesis at the University of Vermont on Annie Sprinkle's piece, The Postborn Modernist. So I've probably watched the video like 3,000 times. And I contacted Annie during that time from across the country, and um, I said, you know, I would love to interview you, and I interviewed her over the phone, 
And that phone interview has been logged into my university library. So anyone can check it out and use it to write about Annie, which I'm very proud of. And I always said, you know, I studied in New York and I said, I'm going to move out to the West Coast and I'm going to call Annie because I have her number. And I did. And I just kind of kept showing up and kept showing up and collaborating with her on the Ecosex project where we first worked together. And of course, Sura as well is continuing to work with Annie on the Ecosex project. And um, Madison was meeting with Annie about this project. And I think they were on a pretty late version of the script at the mm -hmm. point in which they um, brought me into the project. Annie said, you know, who'd be perfect to direct this is Sophia because she knows this. She knows my piece so well. And Annie, of course, would have probably directed it herself. But she's very busy. So she said, you know, uh, she kind of, I think, trusted me to uphold the, oh, the integrity presenter. of the original piece, which, right, yeah. when your hero says that to you, it's it's a huge compliment. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, you're just, like, grinning from ear to ear I right am. now. For those you can't see her face, it's, it's really cute. <laughs> I'm delighted. All right, sort of comment came on, too. Yeah, um, well, I met Annie at um, Documenta 14, which is this performance festival that she and Beth were doing this cuddle project for, so I met them both in bed for the first time, oh, um, which was adorable. That, yes. was, that was last September, right? That was um, May, April. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was so just second. recently. They were this year. Because they, they went yeah. to Greece and did. Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, but it was super sweet. And they um, so Documenta usually happens in Castle, Germany, and this year they took it to Athens. Um, so they invited me back to Castle. Basically, they were like, "Oh, we like cuddling with you. Do you want to come be an ecosex cheerleader?" Basically, um, and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and I was living in Berlin at the time, so it wasn't okay. crazy. But um, yeah, so I met Annie, and she's she's you know getting up there in age, but she's incredibly um, just just so on it when it comes to people and places that that do things and know things. And so mm -hmm. she connected me with Madison. Um, and I wrote Madison was like, do you want to get a coffee? And Madison was like, I need a bunch of help. And I was like, cool, you know, and, um, and just offered my, I, I am a performance artist also. And, um, I make a lot of work about sexuality and, um, I'm a practicer of Tantra and I think I just kind of could provide a, an outside eye. And as someone who's not seen Annie's piece like a thousand times, yeah. um, but seen, you know, excerpts and I've seen, and I know her and, um, I think it was really, really refreshing to be able to just kind of step in a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And, it's uh, been refreshing having you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's aww. been really wonderful. And I, I also, you know, you guys have been so open to, to the suggestions that I had and um, just working together to kind of make it, just just fine-tune it, you know, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I just moved up Super here from, from Portland a few months ago. Um, from, to Portland. To Portland right. from the Bay Area. So... Um, the original, uh, the, the first premiere, the premiere of the show happened in San Francisco at the armory. At the armory. Oh yeah. And, um, and so S Sophia lives in the Bay area uh -huh. still. Oh so, um, yeah. So well, it was, yeah, it was amazing to have Sarah here to help with, um, rehearsals and everything and have like someone mm -hmm. like in the city that I was in. So what are your main themes and objectives with the show that you want people to walk away with? Excellent. Um, well, I, I guess one of the, the main, 
guess there's 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 several several Go for several it. goals like uh, you know change the world like make the world a better place yeah, like, super casual I, super casual I, <laughs> trying to change the world one orgasm at a time so um, I I really I hope from this show that it it humanizes sex workers and that we show the complex identity of every individual and how you know as a sex worker I I I was I was a I was a child once too that I have this sexy part of me too that I'm a mother too like mm-hmm. I can have all of these different parts of myself and um and that we're all complex human beings um and I hope that the audience finds parts that that they relate to that um that it holds space for them to like discover fetish, maybe new fetishes or, um, feel safe to articulate parts of their identity that maybe were more difficult to talk about before. Um, and making the world a safer place for sex workers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say that I, um, I kind of follow the path of theater for social change and theater for a lot. social change. I definitely put cool. this in that category. Um, also docu theater, which in a way it very much is it's autobiographical in nature. And I think for me, it gravitates to me towards theater for social change is that it's, um, you're having an emotional experience. Like it's very easy to sit around and talk about things. And then you kind of get this arm length theories and ideas thing that we're all really good at we taught you in school and all that Mm -hmm. stuff but then once you're sitting in a theater and we're not just telling you about Madison's life we're taking you on an emotional journey through that and we're hoping that people and we're really showing not just telling we're really hoping that it'll open people up to change their minds exactly so once they start to feel that that's the way you really get someone to change their minds if they have that emotional experience Mm -hmm. that it it taps them into something about themselves that they didn't know before and Again, right, we said change the world, right? But this is, this is how we do it, using theater to do that. Yeah, and I also think um, that one thing about it is that it's very relational. You know, you can, you can get it no matter who you are, you know, no matter what your relationship with sex and sexuality is. You can really understand the piece because she's mm-hmm. explaining things on so many different levels. Um, and I think that, yeah, that, that feeling of this sort of, confusion between these identities of self and you know uh, Madison had told me that she's coming back to this after a year and a half hiatus and in that year and a half she had another kid and her life has changed and you said you're you know five pounds heavier and and it's just coming back to to the conversation about self and the understanding and explanation about who you are um, at these different phases in your life and I think that that's you know whether you're a sex worker or not, or a performance artist or not, you know, you can understand and relate to all of those pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a bridge for everyone, yeah. right? Totally, I love that. Well, because yeah. we go through different phases of sexuality in our life. Absolutely. I mean, if you had asked me at 23, 24, I didn't even know I was queer. And so it's like, as we move through our life and different chapters of our life, it, it really, I think everybody can relate to that. Do you have a specific way that this work has changed? Speaking of um, that either comes out in your work, um, in your performance coming up or in other pieces of work where um, how your work has specifically changed through the years with your different life experiences, age Mm -hmm. and motherhood? 
Yeah, well, I, I tend to make work about what is happening in my life at that time. Um, and I feel like wherever I am in my life, it, it deeply informs uh, how, like the work that I'm, that I'm doing, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I wasn't making work about motherhood when I wasn't a mother, um, mm -hmm. you know, and now I have, when I, when I think about feminism and when I, uh, talk about f feminism, I have, um, I, I think about children as well, you know, I mean, about raising my, my children to be feminists and how feminism plays into parenting. Um, so I think that, um, that where I am in my life and in my body definitely affects the work, which is really cool about this piece because um, when we premiered it at uh, in at the Armory a year and a half ago, wow. I had literally just found out I was pregnant like two days before the show. Yeah. During oh tech wow! Week. The rehearsing. Yeah. Yeah. Our plan was to go into a tour. Yeah, we had we had started to um, we had started to to book a, a tour um, of the show and um, and then I found out I was pregnant. I was like, I can't do this show pregnant. It wasn't like a, a physical thing of not being able to Mental. physically do the show, but like a pregnant body doing this show would um, would just not work. It's like revealing revealing all too soon. Like I have to like <laughs> like take them through the journey of becoming the uh. to becoming the mother. Like I I couldn't start. It would just be a different show. We'd have to rewrite the entire thing. Um, yeah, so it just it just wouldn't have worked. I still did performance art while I was um, pregnant, but it was <laughs> different yeah. different pieces um, and working with my pregnant body. So now I am back to uh, it's my. My little one is turning a, a year and uh, maple. <laughs> little maple is turning a year little. In, uh, just a couple weeks. So I told myself, I was like, okay, I'll give myself a year um, because I know how tough, because I've been through this before, how tough that first year can be. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's been uh, still a juggle of parenting, running home to take care of motherly duties. Well, yeah. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, I'm a mother of two as well, so I get the whole mom thing, but how do you balance, you know, your sexual identity, these artistic adventures with being a mom? You have this career in erotica. How do you, how do you balance it all? You know, I mean, even if the erotic element wasn't in it, it would be a lot to balance, I talk a lot to um, different artists and writers who are like, I really want to write a book, but I have no idea to how, how to even finish an article like when, when while parenting, you know? So I know how difficult it can be. And, and definitely creatively, it, there was a huge shift once I became a mom of, um, instead of like having an eight hour span to like work on writing for my book, it was, um, like during naps and um, strolling the baby and speaking into my um, phone to record my voice, like write, you know, you find mm -hmm. other ways of, of writing your article of like, okay, I'm going to speak my article first. So I'm going to like outline um, this chapter of my book by talking 
into a voice recording or I remember pushing my first child on the tricycle like while literally proofing my memoir like balancing on top of the tricycle oh my gosh so you know I mean it it's definitely literally a balancing act in in every way um but I mean I think um as far as like being a mom and still being a sexual person I think that um it's a huge misconception that that mothers are not sexual creatures and that we lose our sexual identity or who we are as sexual people um, when we become mothers. I, the second book that I wrote was The Ultimate Guide to Sex Through Pregnancy and Motherhood. And, um, and it delves into that quite a bit um, just because, um, I mean, it's a transition. It's definitely yeah. a transition, but I'm still very much a sexual person things just um shift right yeah it's just different and I mean that's one of the big things I work with women as a counselor is you know when I'm not doing podcasts um as a therapist there's so many misconceptions and these ideas of motherhood or what a woman is when she becomes a mother and it's so great for you to be doing all this type of work and especially dispelling those myths and, and helping women mm. feel like it's okay to be sexual. Cause Absolutely. Lo- I see women coming into my office who are like, they, they are sexual, like they feel the sexualness, but they almost like feel like they can't show it. Like that's not, mm. it's not okay to be that way. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, experienced, a, which I'm sure, but additional hardships with the fact that um, your career may not be seen as you know socially acceptable? Um, My career has never been seen as right. socially acceptable. So, like that from additional, the start, that so, additional struggle. Of, um, you know, you know. I mean, I, I. The show is called "Reveal All, Fear Nothing," and I think it's for because that is absolutely my motto in life. Um, I decided when I started doing this work that I would be out to my family, um, who are are not necessarily like gun-ho about the work, you know, Um, but um, I I think that um, I knew that keeping any of my work in the dark simply perpetuates shame um, around this work, and that's not something I wanted to carry around either. So, I mean, yes, people can use really not gentle words, as I like to say to my child of, that was not gentle. (laughs) But uh, some people use not gentle words. Um, But, um, you know, I think that's because of their their own fear and their, their own stigma that they have developed around sex work, around porn. They've been told that it's shameful. They have their own sexual shame that they're carrying around. And then that perpetuates this hate, which is exactly why we're doing this show, is um, putting this out there so that, you know, we crush this hate with honesty. Crush it. You know? Crush it. Like, obliterate the shame um, and obliterate the hate with um, honesty and truth and by revealing all. Wonderful. Sarah and, and Sophia, would either of you like to add anything about the show, about the theme, about what we want people to take away from the show? Um, I did want to add something just uh, to go back to a thing that you were saying earlier, which was about, um, you know, as, as we go on through time, uh, 
people's conceptions about sex change, people's conceptions about gender change. I mean, there's been huge bursts in queer culture, in uh, gay marriage, you know, all of this in the last 27 years since Annie did the piece originally. And um, to have a, a, you know, modern, a new modern take on the same concepts seems extremely important. Um, and the idea of sort of refreshing it and looking at it again, um, you know, every 27 years or maybe <laughs> sooner, you know, um, seems really important. And, uh, you know, the way that, that, that Madison expresses similar concepts is just in a more, you know, a differently evolved in a different body and a different, you know, social atmosphere. Um, and so I think that the show really speaks to people of now. It speaks to um, people that might be wanting to discover their anus. You know, it speaks to people that um, that have a, a modern perspective on on sex and sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a target audience? Yeah, I would I would add that the show's for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you identify as feminist, whether you know wherever you are with your identity, I think everyone is absolutely welcome at the show. And start come in where at wherever you're at, and we'll drop you off wherever we drop you off. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully we change some some minds and hearts. Awesome. Uh, Upcoming projects. Do you have some upcoming projects aside from Reveal All? Sure. Well, largely it's Reveal All, Fear Nothing, and we're going to be touring with the show after Portland. So Where are you going? What's the next stop? We have a, a few gigs in New York coming up in the fall, and then um, we're going to Austin in February, and we're um, also looking at bringing it to L.A. and Seattle mm -hmm. and wherever Else. Oh, and yeah. then Europe as well. We're talking with several Munich theaters. Cool. Oh, exciting. Yeah. And we're taking bookings. Ah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you can go to revealallfearnothing.com yes. and contact us about yeah. booking. Thank you so much, all of you, for meeting Thank with you. us. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so this yeah. is a very interesting topic. We look forward to seeing you at the show. Uh, again, tickets, if any of our listeners want to meet us there, Keely and I will be doing press at the show Friday night, September 1st. So meet us there. Again, you can buy tickets online at revealallfearnothing.com. So thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. The poem we picked for today's theme was written by one of my all-time favorite poets, Rupi Kaur, a heroine of feminist poetry. Best known for her book, Milk and Honey, which discusses feminism on a multicultural and racial level, along with the hardships women face all over the world, Rupi's work aims to defeat the stigmas surrounding women which I felt was parallel to Madison's work aiming to defeat stigma specifically around women in the sex industry. So with that, Keely, will you read the short poem we chose of Rupees? You tell me to quiet down because my opinions make me less beautiful, but I was not made with a fire in my belly so I could be put out. I was not made with a lightness in my tongue so I could be easy to swallow. I was made heavy, half blade and half silk, Difficult to forget, but not easy for the mind to follow. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, Hearts and Other Sex Parts, on iTunes and SoundCloud. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Hearts and Other Sex Parts. Feel free to write us feedback or questions by direct messaging our Instagram or Facebook pages or emailing us at heartsandothersexparts at gmail.com. 
Also, if you want to support our podcast expenses and educational resources, go to GoFundMe.com and find our Hearts and Other Sex Parts donation page, which is also linked in our Facebook bio. Thank you for listening. Your hosts encourage you to stay open. And remember, self-love is the best love.